0: My mama would say You gotta fight for what is right To her I would say (laughs) It's <laughs> That you could find with Christ.
1: Patriots. It is that day, Friday, January 19th, in the year 2024. I think we're struggling, all of us, in one way or another, with the question of where things go and what's next. And especially in a time when we have political games going on and trying to decide what candidate is going to lead us to the next step of this. Crazy video game we're in, but truth is that we're dealing with a government that's rotted to the very core, and with it, as we've been talking about all week, is the, the loss of moral character, and we're walking in a in a time of moral injury, which has been well documented in, by Brad Miller in his Substack. And it's a, it's an issue right now of all of us trying to stru- trying to get a grip on the magnitude of the damage, literally, that we're dealing with. Unfortunately, I think the damage is catastrophic across our nation, far beyond just the government, but it's at the very heart of the people. There's a lot of things we have to start beginning to, we have to start looking at and what it's going to take for us to, to reset a nation that its very core has lost even the intent of what this nation was about not only does it not have the understanding of it, but it lacks the will to a large degree right now. And that comes from a fact that so much of the world that we're in is built on the me and built on the what I want rather than on the principles of God. I'm going to talk all about that in just a bit here. Basically, it's one thing that's, very clear is they're going to be pushing the window on everything. Part of that is the financial system trying to shake it up. You know that this is an election year and just about anything can happen because of that. They're willing to crush an election system, increase the levels of inflation, deflate the dollar more, and anything that you've saved is at risk because it's not backed by anything. Dealing with a paper currency, a fiat currency has no value. This is time to really dig into precious metals. Now if you have an IRA or 401k, it's also a good idea to start looking at options to get that more secure for the long term. This is where we have the folks at Birch Gold and they can be so so helpful. Text BARDS, B-A-R-D-S, to 989898 and you'll receive a free information packet from Birch Gold. Take time to read it. Great group. They've been with us now for well over a year and a half. They've done great service for us all. Birch Gold is uh, gonna provide you with the information that you're going to need to move your existing 401k or or IRA into a precious metals backed system, uh, retirement account deferred tax deferred that'll ensure that in, in the times of rough times ahead that they will hold its value. Precious metals is the is the base of Success for banks and for institutions, and it should be the basis for everything we do in, the, in our inf- economy. It's truly the t- real. It's the real money. So, text Bards B A R D S to nine eight nine eight nine eight. Get the free information packet. Read through it. Contact Birch Gold and see how they can help you today. They're a great group. Okay, I want to begin this morning with with Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes, excuse me, three one to eight. Literally, there is a season for everything and a time for every delight and an event and purpose under heaven. Time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot what is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance a time to throw away stones and a time to gather stones, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing a time to search and a time to give up as lost, a time to keep and a time to throw away a time to tear apart. And a time to sew together a time to keep silent and a time to speak a time to love and a time to hate a time for war and a time for peace. The season we're in right now is so much a mix of many of these things. We're trying to reestablish our principles of biblical love as a center point of everything we work with, facing off against an enemy that has just built everything on hate. The depth of corruption of our nation is profound. And the sad part about it is it's not just profound in the sense of how far it reaches, it's how many people willfully participate in this problem. This is the lack of moral courage. And this nation that we're in right now is dealing with willful agents that are willing to use their authorities, their powers to do the wrong thing. And there's no moral gauge as to their willingness to do it. It's almost in a certain way as if we're dealing with two worlds. One in which we can see is moral and just and the other which is consumed with hatred and the injustice of the father of lies. I want to play a short piece for you here to kind of set the stage on this because it's pretty profa- pretty profound and disturbing.
2: The states are taking children, giving them to somebody else for money that they get from the federal government. That means that all fifty states are involved in government subsidized child trafficking. It's a ring. It is the largest and most pervasive child trafficking ring in the history of the world by sheer money and numbers.
3: Children are seized unnecessarily from their families due to the federal aid entitled the adoption and safe families act
2: it was put into law in 1997 by bill and hillary clinton and i said it that way on purpose and it is a law that literally steals money from the social security fund and gives this money to the states in order to incentivize them to kidnap babies
3: to receive the adoption incentives or bonuses, local CPS must have more children. They must have more merchandise to sell.
2: Every child once you've added it all up is worth approximately a million dollars to the state. But we've been told that this is a 60 to 80 billion dollar a year industry, meaning the federal government is taking 80 billion dollars a year and giving that money to all of the 50 states to kidnap children
3: parents are victimized by the system that makes a profit for holding children longer and bonuses for not returning children to their parents
2: but their own statistics state that 83 percent of all children who are taken by cps child protective services are for unsubstantiated allegations, meaning never should it have happened in the first place. So imagine anything else in the world where you know you get it wrong 83% of the time and you admit it, but you just keep doing it.
3: Case workers and social workers are often guilty of fraud. They withhold and destroy evidence.
1: That last piece is kind of right at the core of everything. Case workers are often guilty of fraud and withholding information. The thing we have to start asking is, what is the sickness in the moral base of this nation that allows people to think that that's a good idea when we see at the center of this is children, children being stripped from their families? This is in every single state of the union, and it creates a, a national child sex trafficking ring that's funded by taxpayer dollars. It's funded and executed by the will for participation of those that work for these agencies and all in the name of a dollar and a salary and a job. There's a loss of moral basis in everybody. It's a bankruptcy that occurs within the heart of the individual. And so what we see is that people start to accept that the job is greater than what is right. The season, so to speak, of moral justice is lost to the season of salary and paying bills. That's the power of Babylon, which we currently deal with right now. And it's an enormous strength of power over the heart of man. And this is the corruption that's at the very core of everything we're dealing with right now, is people. The government is nothing in its power. People are the problem. People have become so absolutely broken that they're willfully able to turn on one another, not to love thy neighbor, but to hate thy neighbor. And we turn on one another to such a degree That then we start being used as the slave agents for for the master economy, to tear people apart, to injure people more. And so the moral injury and the spiritual wounds become so deep that a nation becomes indebted to itself and its own pain. This is a very dark time right now. And it's a time when we continue to pray into these things for greater healing, unfortunately, we continue to see this problem perpetuate itself and not stop. I'm going to play a portion. This is a 23-minute piece. I'm not going to play the whole thing. But I do want you to hear this. It's is from Redacted. This is more of the same coming off of the border. I want you to hear this.
4: Well, America is the largest buyer and seller of children, unaccompanied children in the world. Every year, thousands of unaccompanied children are brought across the United States border, then they're sold off as slaves and worse, if you can even imagine worse than that, it's happening. Inside the United States, this is happening. Uh, Before they're transported by the US government funded agents, they're being housed in large facilities like the ones we've shown you, former Walmart facility buildings in Texas. Here, you can take a look at this on your screen, which we've covered this on the show. Before And it's all happening with the knowledge and supervision of the United States government, either that or they're willfully ignorant about it. Uh, They are facilitating the transport and sale of these children across the United States. Now a group of brave Americans have blown the whistle on this program, and they are trying to raise awareness about how this program is about to become law in the United States, and it will circumvent the United States Congress. One of those whistleblowers is intelligence analyst with USCIS, an arm of DHS, uh, Aaron Stevenson. uh, I should say former uh, intelligence analyst, but a whistleblower nonetheless. And Aaron joins us now on the show. Aaron, great to see you. Thank you for coming on the show.
5: Thank you so much.
4: So how did you decide to blow the whistle uh, and uh, alert all of us? To what was actually happening under the umbrella of the dhs
5: so for me it was because i exhausted all efforts at work um i started seeing the records about literal MSRT members and 18th street gang members uh using this program to get kids and it was a brand new thing i had never seen this before in the entirety of what was called the transnational organized crime uh, watch list and I asked to work about it where I worked at at USCIS and we, you know, trying to find some information out like, Hey guys, who works on this program? Who knows about this? And that's not the role at USCIS. So I reached out to other entities within DHS, CBP and ICE and other, other places. And no one knew about it. So I reached out to more members throughout the government at the terrorist screening center, looked at the FBI, DOJ. I went to labor and treasury to see if anybody was tracking this information and nobody was. So when I was looking for more people to help me out and no one knew about it, and everyone just kept saying, like, well, it's not our job, really. What are we going to do? It's like, okay, well, then I'm left with no choice then. Like, I have to go to the media. I have to decide if someone Someone is going to be able to, you know, let people know what's going on. Because I tried telling work. They just didn't want to hear it.
4: So you tried to tell the government what was actually happening. Can you explain to our audience what was actually happening? What program you discovered?
5: Well, yeah. So the, the program that I was working part of is called the Transnational Organized Crime Working Group. And this manages the, we call it the TOC TOC, watch list. And this watch list, it's not just like a DHS thing. The executive agent actually for it is DOJ, but it's a multiple or it's a multi-agency, multi-department, whole of government approach to combat the activities of transnational organized crime groups. And what we did on a day-to-day basis, besides like help draft policy and try to come up with ways to use this machine, we would get these encounter notices. An encounter notice is just a it's a system of record, it's an email where anytime an alien who's watchlisted on this program, we would know about it. I was almost live feet. It wasn't like exactly like up to date that fast, but within a few minutes of, you know, let's say an arrest record, or if an alien was going to be flying in the country, or if they were u- using USCIS for immigration benefits, we would know almost immediately what was a for. So we started doing this program back in 2016. And it kind of grew over time, grew over time. And by the time in 2021, when we came across this watch, list was around like 30 to 40,000. And in February 2021, so the first month of Biden, uh, there was an encounter notice about an alien who was MS-13 that was applying to HHS to get an unaccompanied alien child as their sponsor. And also that was the first time I've ever seen that. And and I did check, by the way, all the records because I still had them all. So I did a control find search. I'm doing a query to look for everybody. And we started seeing basically one of these every about three to four weeks. And by the time I blew the whistle, which was in July of 2021, um, there was a total of eight eight aliens trying to do this. When that thing got released in August, um, there was nine. By the time I went public with something else, there was like 12 people. So this was a, a regularly occurring thing, but it was also brand new. The reason why it's so also insidious, though, is... Um, You can understand if this was a new thing, if it was only like one click of a gang doing this. Or like, let's just say like one sect of MS-13 from one part of El Salvador. That makes sense. But this started happening from gangs of MS-13, 18th Street Gang, and a a Balkan organized crime group. So the countries this was coming from was Romania, El Salvador, Honduras, Guatemala. This was happening at a very, very wide rate very quickly. And it made no sense at all.
4: So So these MS-13 gang members were trying to get access to unaccompanied minors that were already in the United States. Correct. And where were these gang members located? Were they also in the United States or they were simply on a watch list somewhere outside of the United States?
5: So the other thing these people all had in common was they all first were illegal aliens. They all entered the United States illegally. So they were. But secondly, oh yeah. But secondly, they were actually utilizing the defensive asylum Process to stay in the country, so they were all legal aliens. They entered without inspection, and you can be put in removal. Like ICE will find you, or CBP is like, "Hey, you can't do that. You are going to get removed." Here is your court record, and they make a, a, a bogus asylum claim. It's a very fraudulent process, and it's accepted by the asylum process. They just accept accepted things like mostly willy nilly, and and I am talking like eighty percent of the time. So all these aliens again entered illegally, and were utilizing the the asylum process to stay in the country.
1: This is part of the moral bankruptcy we're talking about. And it gets so dark when we start to think about the magnitude of all of this. We've wrapped ourselves into a political debate right now, which is completely a lie. And what that is, and you're hearing it, and I've mentioned it many times, but I want to frame this a little differently for you this morning. The discussion that we have here and have had here now repeatedly is that Biden administration is doing this. That things changed under the Biden administration. That suddenly when the Biden administration came, the spike in child sex trafficking went up, that the problems in drugs went up. I want you to take just a step here a minute and just ask yourself the question, how is that possible? One administration steps in, a president and a handful of people, and suddenly the engines of the government spin up and we start to have an increase in these crimes. That only happens if you have willful agents throughout every rank and file of your government. That only happens if people are willing to do the wrong thing and do so willfully in their jobs. It only happens if you lack any sort of moral integrity from top to bottom. So the reason I bring this up is when we start to look at this political period of time when we're starting to see the rise of President Trump, supposedly, and it's already anticipated, which I believe will happen, that he'll win the November elections. What's going to change? I think that's the question that everybody has to answer. What is physically going to change? President Trump is one man, and there is no, he's not going to change a government. This is a government that is corrupted at its very root. The root of willfully seeing that their job is not to intercede but to obey rules that are themselves wrong. A government that has No moral bank, no moral foundation. We are trying as a nation to desperately cling on to a country, a country that we're trying to see this, tell ourselves that we can save it. We can do it. We can work within. We can do the political thing. And we're missing something very critical. And we've been saying this for so long, which is that we are truly the answer But the answer I don't believe is what we keep thinking it is because part of the answer of this nation is to start doing the right thing, to start taking action, to be participant in the government and not allow the government to continue to run roughshod over everything we stand for. So let me play this for you. This is a piece by Tucker Carlson.
6: The story of history is the story of invasions. One group of people moving into someone else's land and taking it. One nation ends, another begins. Invasions drive history. Few Americans understand this is happening to them right now. The United States of America is being
3: invaded. For the love of God, this is a damn invasion. Who is allowing this? They invaded our
4: privacy. I think it's an invasion of the country.
6: In other words, it's ending. The country you grew up in no longer exists. Soon it will be unrecognizable. No one is fighting back. Few are even acknowledging it. And the people who lead us are letting it happen.
1: The people that lead us aren't just letting it happen. They're participant in the crime. And the people of the United States are equally participant in the crime if you're not doing the duty to save the nation. That's the part of moral, moral courage and equally part of being understanding of accountability. Our Declaration of Independence is a critical document because it establishes the moral responsibility that we all have as a nation. Starting in the second paragraphs, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. In other words, we are given our rights by God. And the only way we can lose those rights is if we willfully give them up. And in those in those rights, it does not say participant in child sex trafficking or allowing gangs to move people across this nation or opening our borders even and against the Constitution. We'll continue. That to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. That whenever any form of government becomes destructive to of these ends, it is the right of the people to alter or to abolish it and to institute new government, laying its foundation on such principles and organizing its powers in such form as to them shall seem most likely to affect their safety and happiness. Full stop, right there. It's coming from us. And right in the Declaration of Independence, it states truly where the power of the government is. The government is not some sort of exterior agency, exoskeleton of some fashion, that's wrapped itself around us, that's keeping us in line and working with us. The government is of the people. It has been from the very beginning. So this mystery of somehow that the government is some sort of foreign entity, some outside source, is becoming, has become corrupted. The idea that somehow this is an exterior engine that we must face as a people and overcome the difficulties of this elite little crew of people that are somehow steering us off the cliff is the complete lie that we've accepted as normal so that we will continue to be participant in the political game that keeps us dumb and stupid to allow us to believe that somehow that's going to change everything. The center point of change in this entire nation is changing the hearts of Americans. Americans have become morally bankrupt. And it's done so well as that we can actually start to see in our minds that I would challenge you to start thinking when you think of moral bankruptcy in the government, I want you to think of who you think about. I'm willing to bet you that you will come up with a racial profile in your mind's thinking of who is at fault. And when you start to realize how well this programming is working, you start to realize that they have channeled our thinking even to a narrow way as to who is to blame for this. If you are black, I'm going to guarantee you, you're thinking it's some sort of white person. If you're white, I guarantee you, you're going to think it's some sort of person of race. I guarantee this because this is what they have done. And the problem is that it's all of us. This is where the depth of this criminality is. So this is a deep, deep place where we have to start to get into who we are and how we're accountable. We, are, we need to get into the place of accountability as a nation, which means we have to get to the accountability to God. I want to continue this. Prudence indeed will dictate that government long established should not be changed for light and transient causes. And accordingly, all experience hath shown that mankind are more disposed to suffer while evils are sufferable than to right themselves by abolishing the forms to which they are accustomed. This is where we are. People have gone to a place of moral bankruptcy and moral degradation that they truly believe that it's easier just to suffer these ills, as if these ills are someone else's problem. We have border agents that are literally willfully participant in the crime of child sex trafficking. We have flight agents, flight attendants, pilots, people working at the desk, people loading on equipment onto planes that are all complicit in the act of child sex trafficking as they move these people across the nation. We have military people willfully participate in the child sex trafficking as they house them into Air Force bases to move them across the nation. We have police officers and CPS are a participant in the act of child sex trafficking by stealing children from their family. If we took these cases to court, most of them would be cast out. And then that gets us to that level. The corruption goes into our courts. The corruption goes into our legal system. Our corruption goes into the political body. So it's not a question of when you vote somebody into office. The real question is if, if they're suddenly going to change things. The question is do they have the moral character to be uncorruptible and to hold the moral line? You've heard me use that term recently. I've only met a handful that I believe could do it. One of those we had on the show the other day, Cam Hamilton, running in Virginia 7 for Congress. And I believe he has this basis because of the past that he is as a former Navy SEAL, I believe he can walk as one of the uncorruptibles. But the system by nature is corrupted. And the normal in the system is to accept moral bankruptcy as the way of the functioning of the normal. So when we look across our nation and we ask ourselves, how are we going to take our nation back? We end up in a place where the Declaration of Independence has guided us from the very beginning. Prudence indeed will dictate the government long established should not be changed by light for light and transient causes. And accordingly, all experience hath shown that mankind are more disposed to suffer while evils are sufferable than to right themselves by abolishing the forms to which they are accustomed, but when a long train of abuses and usurpations, pursuing invariably the same object evinces a design to reduce them under absolute despotism, it is their right, it is their duty to throw off such ev- such forms of government and to provide new guards for their future security. It's our duty. That's the word in this whole thing that everybody seems to miss. It's not just our right, it's our duty. Because in this process, of our nation, it has always been we the people. The question is, who are those with moral courage to do just that? Who are those that are willing to stand up and say enough is enough? Last night I discussed something that's still unbelievable to me, that we as a nation will sit here and complain about the, the, the horrors of what goes on. We will sit and witness child sex trafficking. We will talk about the overinflation, over-expansion of government that's cancer, that we will talk about the ills of welfare systems, we will talk about the, the government that has now overspent itself by 30 plus trillion dollars in debt, and yet, Americans willfully pay their taxes every year. This is unbelievable. And here we are. There is a compliance system within our, in, within our society that people have become so afraid to stand up and do what's right that they would rather do Nothing and comply because it's someone else's problem. It's okay for me to vote for Trump to be prosecuted or persecuted by those around me, by my neighborhood, for example, or in the media, calling me a domestic terrorist because I dare vote my way. We can cry and moan about this. We can shut our TV off and say, I can't listen to it anymore. But at the real root of that problem, the media in some way or another is being tied to the government's funding because we know that through Operation Paperclip, that they are controlled by the CIA and other agencies. So we are looking at a system that has built a network of control around us that we literally willfully comply with it while we complain. That's the slave mentality. Americans have become slaves and we become slaves in our hearts. If we truly accepted Christ in our heart the way it should be, we would be free. Christ flipped tables and he understood what it was to walk alone. We would understood the martyrdom mentality, the martyrdom spirit. And yet, Americans aren't willing to do that. Not as a whole. We have 80 million Trump voters that have a force in this society that is unprecedented. 80 million people that could say today, I'm not gonna pay taxes, 80 million. And I think it's actually higher, it's probably about 100 million. But there's an unwillingness to do this. An unwillingness because somewhere along the way, the idea of paying taxes is anti-American. How did that happen? Not paying taxes is what I mean to say is is un-American. Not paying. It's the exact opposite. Everything has become inverted in our hearts. Just like the border control agent that is down here allowing children to be moved across in before them. That if they stand up and do what's right, they get ostracized by their peers and condemned by their command. And yet... They just decide instead just to go along with it. This is the problem that we have through our entire society. So when we're gonna start to look at a nation and ask ourselves how we're going to restore a nation. Restoring a nation isn't going to happen by a vote. It's not gonna happen by putting a new president in office. I'm not gonna tell you don't vote the right way in the fall. That's not my objective here. But there is an issue here of real expectations. There is only one way to fix a nation of this depth of corruption. And that is to fix it locally, to get into your local politics and to do the dastardly thing, to put in a constitutional sheriff that will hold the line against the federal, that will prosecute crimes as they should, and to get in a DA that will back that. We need to get the idea of citizens' grand juries back into the idea that citizens literally are the foundation of law in this nation. We have to have somebody with the authority and stones and a county commission that will hire the auditors to go through and slaughter these these bloated budgets in the county, fire people and get rid of them, and get down to the moral integrity of what we live on. When we start to hold accountability at the local level is when we begin to shift. I have said this many times now, and I'm I'm reemphasizing it this morning because it's very important to understand the magnitude of what I'm saying. When we talk about the 231, that is the Declaration of Military Accountability, the 231 signatories that are on that letter, what they represent is establishing and reestablishing moral accountability within the military as a whole. That means that currently, if you look at what... That looks like every single flag officer, that means every single general, one star and above, has become morally bankrupt and must be removed under the Articles of Uniform Military Code of Justice, UCMJ. That means they must be court-martialed because every single one of them not only violated the law, they violated the tenets of their oath, they conducted treason against the United States and were participant in in crimes against humanity by delivering a death shot to soldiers mandated that was against the Nuremberg Code. Every one of them. I went, Imagine the magnitude of what we're talking about here. That is what we stood for when we sign on to that. That same attitude has to happen in our local communities. So here's the part that I've said before, and I don't say this flippantly. We will not change this nation until the doctor at the local hospital or even the kindergarten teacher in your local community is brought to trial, and held accountable for encouraging that death shot on children. And when that begins to happen, you will see America begin to shake and wake up because the fear in their hearts will suddenly make them realize that they are complicit in crimes. These aren't just crimes in a nation. These are crimes against the biblical foundation of who we are as a people. We are not to do harm to the little ones. And the tie-in to all of this always comes back to the children. But as a nation, we have sit complicitly alongside, and we have done nothing. And worst of all, which was last night's show, is we have gone along with it, and we pay our taxes every year, and we fund the same system, and we feel good about it, especially when you start getting these things in the news about, hey, look out, here comes new tax credits, and people are like, oh, joy, oh, joy, I get more money back, or I have to pay less, and we can't even see the scheme that's going on. This is literally like playing the lottery all the time and giving you the enticement that somehow you're going to win. Maybe you won't win big, but you're going to get a few extra dollars because there's more points and more ways that you can possibly win. This is a game and they're playing every single heart of American, of Americans out here. And Americans are going along with it. And the crimes that we're participant in are crimes in heaven. That's... The ultimate problem of all of this is there is no fear of God in our nation left. If there was a fear of God, the moral righting of this ship would happen overnight. But people lack the fear of God. And if they didn't, if they truly had the fear of God, they would not be violating these things. At the core of every single thing here we do, we are violating the very tenets of the moral law of God himself. That country that was built... On God's creation, God gave us the authorities, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness as the foundations of everything we do, our rights given to us by our creator. We have turned on its head. And in so doing, we have literally said that my rights are based on the jobs that I have and the money that I earn, which is completely Babylon. I don't know how a nation gets through with this. This gets me to the book of Haggai and makes me start to wonder if we're really going to look at what's going to happen here with the hordes coming across this nation if we don't have to suffer the horrors and the ills of our own hand. This isn't God saying, you shall be punished. It's literally God just saying, I'm going to let you be punished, which is literally Romans eight 18 to 36 or 32, which is turning them over to a reprobate mind. Our nation has become a nation rooted in a reprobate mind. So this falls on the remnant, and it falls on the intensity of the remnant at this moment in time to be able to wage war with the intensity of understanding what's at stake. That remnant right now is more critical than ever. There have been dreams flooding in that I've been getting from people, and this is something I want to address this morning because these dreams to me are starting to show a prophetic vision. And I'm speaking with an urgency in your heart to be bold now, not to be hesitant, to speak truth to power, to literally walk from the victory of kingdom and use those authorities in this world as you pray, as you walk, as you believe. I'm sick of the revelationist idea that somehow you're gonna be raptured out. Because if you're raptured out, you're literally being taken away from the greatest rescue mission of all all time. And it's you looking forward to some idea that somehow you're not gonna have to be participant in this fight. You're here and now in this fight. And this fight is why you are here. This is the time. This fight is real. This is the rescue mission for humanity, for God's children. And that's the responsibility that every single one of us has every day when we get up, we get going in our day, we begin to understand that we are part of a mission, of an army, of, a, of an organized effort to save humanity. That's not us praying to like, oh, God, get me through this day and then rapture me out and let Jesus come and fix it. We created this problem. Every one of us created this problem because we went along with the moral bankruptcy and destruction of everything that we have. We now need to step in as that remnant and realize that the calling on our heart is to be greater and mightier in our authorities and our beliefs and what we pray into and seeking a deeper relationship with our Father. This is the hour. There's there's no more there's no more playing, and so when we look at the structure of our society, when we look at all the people we're participating with. If you're a regular shopper shopper at Walmart or Target or Fred Meyer or Kroger or whatever it is, is your is your flavor? If we're relying on the system to provide for that which God was to told us that we should provide for ourselves, if we're constantly using the reliance on the money system rather than seeking the independence of what God gave us an ability to do. Rather than build community, we build individualism. Rather than build community, we build more wealth in our bank accounts. If we're not understanding what God told us to do in terms of kingdom economy, in terms of living in this world, it's literally Jeremiah 6.16, seeking the ancient paths. If we're not doing this, we're walking away from the calling of who we are. Fundamental, we've talked about this for three and a half years, county by county. What's one of the fundamental top things? Home churches, homeschooling, Patriot Gardens. Those three things should be at the core of every single person's life. And with that, we we are in the process then of building the steps towards a greater understanding of kingdom. We should be growing our own food working with communities to make sure we're self-reliant, not reliant on some architecture of food distribution and food manipulation that's at a global level. And in mass, each one of these things leads us to a profound experience where we begin to separate the people from the cancerous and growing virus of the system that we're tied into. We have to make physical breaks. It's only then when we start to get back to the land, start to understand how we live as people, not dependent on a system, but independent of a system, do we start to reclaim the true depth of our moral code. When you work with animals and you see the birth of cattle and you see young calves running around and you see the responsibility that you have to steward them, if you can't relate that to the damage that's being done on children and how... This in, literally, we care more for our animals in this nation than we do to God's gift of children, which still just sickens me to my core. A nation that has lost its way. You never hear of somebody saying, I took my cow in to have its calf aborted. In fact, you will hear people speak of the, how it turns their stomach if they happen to harvest an animal, let's say, or even have to put an animal down only to discover that within its womb, there was a newborn there. Anybody that ranches, anybody that farms will tell you that that's one of the most disturbing elements to discover, that if you have to put an animal down for whatever reason, or you've harvested an animal not knowing, which can happen, to discover that there was a newborn inside, it sickens you. And yet, as a society, we walk along here, we pay our taxes knowing that this money is in part going to Planned Parenthood. It stuns me. I'm like, what has happened to us? Where have we become morally justified to, to fund death and then tell ourselves when we go to church to say, I'm saved with Jesus? That is a contradiction and it's very rude. And I question whether you truly understand, anybody that does this understands where you are with the right and kingdom. And I mean this, and I'm sorry if that offends you, but I'm not sorry. Because if you're a participant in funding the government that is destroying children in life, and you're sitting here praying to Christ What blood is on your hand? And that means every single one of us that pays taxes has blood on our hand. Everyone. This government is corrupt to its very core. It has designed a system that everything that we do now literally stains ourselves with the blood of the death of children. That is its idea, because its idea within the Luciferian system is if you do so by your free will, you are now complicit in the crimes, which their hope is you will never achieve the right to go to heaven. Is that true? People will say, well, I've accepted Jesus. I have salvation. I'll arrive there. Okay. We'll take that for what it is. But the question is, what will be left when you face accountability before the throne? Because every word, every action, every breath, every thought we are held accountable for, So what does that say to us? Because we can't walk in a world and be unaccountable. In fact, even our Declaration of Independence tells us we are accountable and it is our duty to throw off such forms of government. And instead, we literally go about things and say to ourselves, we're okay. I just, I can do these things, but I can't do these. Jesus told us to follow me, you will be persecuted. They will will go after you. Because he understood that the true walk within his heart, the true walk which he was preventing in this presenting in this nation was ultimately about flipping tables and going against the tide doing the morally correct thing as we go forward it's a disturbing era and a disturbing hour in our nation's history because everywhere we turn it gets to be more and more corruption that people are willfully walking with and participating in And these crimes that we hear about, whether it's CPS or whether it's people being trafficked across the border or whether it's somebody embezzling money or some department, everything is dehumanized. It's separated from the accountability of the individual. When we talk about common law, like Jaron Jackson talks about all the time, it is the one form of law that they hate for us to implement again. Why? Because common law is based on the crimes that I do and accountability as an individual. It is an an individual accountability-based law. Once you do that and understand that you are personally accountable for your actions, everything changes. Everything. But at the root of all of this, we have to get to a place where we shift the moral basis of our nation to make us accountable for what we do. And if we can't do that, if we can't pivot our nation back to a moral accountability, I don't care who's in presidency, I don't care how many battles we win, we lose the war because we have not achieved what needs to be achieved, which is people need to be held accountable. So when we go back to the DMA, Declaration of Military Accountability, and the 231 on that list, and you hear the discussions like Cam Hamilton gave or Pete Chambers gives, Corey Terry talks about Commander Green, Rob Miller. Mark Bashaw, these are people that are speaking to you as I'm speaking to you, telling you this 231 is a symbolic moment in time that everything we look at in our world has to be held to a standard of personal and moral accountability. We can no longer allow this corruption to persist. I'm going to leave you with a thought today, perhaps more uplifting than this heavy moment, but it is important because I'm going to talk about it in depth tonight and i want to show you how quickly and easily you can shut this government down legally i'm dead serious and i want you just to imagine for a moment that we could finally bring together a million people out of 330 million people just so i say it that way imagine you could bring together a million people to do one act every day in unison in agreement make it simple one act and that is to write 10 letters of protest. It'd be simple. The letters of protest would be just a simple card that would say, close our borders. You are, you are guilty of crimes against the Constitution, which is treason and crimes against humanity. Do that. Just that alone. That's all we would do. That note would go inside of an envelope. And every single day, 1 million people would target would be a designated list of addresses. So let's take this and watch what I'm talking about. The thing about letters when you send them to DC is they have a requirement in law that they have to hold them and respond to them. It's a beautiful thing, actually, if done correctly. If you took a million people in this country that agreed that every day they would do 10 notes to the Senate to start with, we'll start with the Senate. And they agreed that over the next 10 days that one million people would write a note to every single Senator saying the same thing. I want you to do the math. That's 100 million letters that gets delivered to DC in one week 100 million letters that's a million letters per senator and 100 million letters to the city of DC they get delivered within ten days. and then you pivot and you have a new list which is easily posted and distributed and that list becomes that of the Pentagon and you choose a hundred targets in the Pentagon and then you pivot and you go to the IRS, and you send 100 notes to the IRS, 100 pointers of the IRS. Now, in the course of 30 days, one month, D.C. is now inundated with 300 million pieces of mail. 300 million, I want to be clear about what I just said. There is no warehouse big enough in D.C. The entire system in D.C. collapses because they can't move mail. They have to store mail. They are accountable to holding that mail. They have, would have to pass a law that says they could destroy the mail without opening it. And even mail outgoing would be slowed down. This simple act is an act of passive, legal, aggressive resistance. This is the mentality of Gandhi of how he tackled the British occupation. We'd be doing a great service, we'd be getting back to mailing again, and we'd be getting away from this ridiculous of the internet. People write these emails to the senators, and they don't understand what happens. They go to the senators and they're just tagged and sent to a file, and then they're deleted. But a physical piece of mail arriving is different. One million, that's all it takes. One million Americans to stand and do this. And then you continue. Then you do every state capital. In unison, we agree to say start in Maine and then we would go through every single state or maybe we do alphabetically and every single state capital gets a similar theme. Maybe maybe it has to do with child sex trafficking and maybe that's the overall theme, but every single state gets a hundred million pieces of mail and every 10 days, another state capital gets a hundred million pieces of mail. I need you to understand the magnitude of what we're talking about here. You can do this from the convenience of your basement, from your home. You can do it from your RV. You can do it wherever. It's a commitment to say that I will do, a million people will do 10 notes a day to an organized mailing list and do so religiously and with conviction in your heart to save a nation. We don't have to do anything more. The system will grind to a halt because it will become inundated and overwhelmed with the common voice of America. So I'm going to talk about this at length tonight, but I'm trying to point out something. To get people to do this is like pulling teeth. To get people to willfully step in and say, I will do this, it's pulling teeth. And this is the problem in the hearts of Americans. Because we have become lulled to sleep, a darkness within our hearts that says it's easier to do nothing than it is to do something to save the nation. That entire mentality is corrupted everything we do. I'm more concerned about if I'm going to keep my job and pay my mortgage than if I'm going to empower a state to steal and traffic children. And all that works fine until the system turns on you. And the system will. At one point or another, this behemoth that we're all participant in will turn on every single one of us and we're getting close. And it will do it very methodically. It's already setting the conditions. It will be those radical Christian terrorists. That's coming. That's already on the docket. Then it will be MAGA. They've already worked with that with January 6th. And if it's not MAGA and if it's not Christians, it's somebody else that gets in power and says, it's the left. And we all cheer. We watch a whole group of people in the United States rounded up and incarcerated. And we now, as we have now won our victory, let's say we get someone like Trump in who believes in vengeance, we begin to cheer the day when all those liberal crazies get rounded up and punished. That's not God's world. That's a vengeful heart. And that's not a heart of kingdom. We have people out here that literally are celebrating the fact that the liberals are are the ones that took more shots, which they are. So just statistically, that's proving true. And so there's like this celebration of like, wonderful, they took the shot and so they'll all be dead in 10 years. That's a sickness and a corruption of the heart. And we have gotten this way that we have so inculcated hate in our heart, tied with apathy, that those two mixes are toxic. We don't see each other as Americans, we see each other as either or. And in so doing, we're celebrating the destruction of each other when the puppet masters up here that are ruling this thing have their slaves underneath them and the slaves are being highly obedient. We are the slaves. This nation needs a moral reset. We the people, doesn't say we the conservatives, we the democrats, we the libertarians, we the moderates, it says we the people. It says one nation under God, not nations under the God that I choose or the rules of God that I choose. It's one nation under God, a Christian value. We have to get back to the understanding of the root of what this nation was. It is a nation where the power of government comes from the the authorities of men. And government has circumvented that position of creator and placed itself on the throne above the people and is using its powers to manipulate men, to hate each other, to be divided, to be played to the very end so that we destroy ourselves. And at the core of all of this, their core master strategy is destroy the root of a nation, which is to destroy and corrupt the children. If they can destroy and corrupt the children, future generations are lost. How can a nation stand by and willfully just even accept at any level that a child is born with an improper gender and that it is okay to move a child forward and to literally have them their gender changed by surgery? How does a child, how does a world even morally deal with that? In 1945, that would have been considered a criminal act under Nuremberg. Today, we mainstream it with authorities that say, yes, it has to be done. How does a society get that way? How does a society get to the fact that abortion becomes so normal that even when the Supreme Court says it's no longer a federal rule, we sit back at the state level and go, okay, well, it's done. As the left now seizes more control than they've ever had, those people, and even the left, isn't the right problem. Ohio is a great example. They passed a measure in Ohio that literally gave authority for pedophilia at the lowest level, based on the, the Supreme Court releasing the authority, the federal mandate over abortion. We now have a reproductive rights bill in Ohio that is allows basically anything under the sun and conservatives voted for it. How does that possibly happen with a nation that's morally rooted? A nation that has been lost from its moral root wanders in the desert and is subject to anything that's influenced around it. They no longer have the fear of God in their heart, and they will do anything for themselves. Our tenants on the short list, spread the gospel of Jesus Christ, heal the sick and the broken, cast out demons, raise the dead. That's the short list. If the remnant doesn't understand the power of that and what we have to do on a daily basis, this war will continue to auger itself into the pits of hell and we will all take that merry ride there into the lake of fire because nations will be judged and judging nations is in the temporal time in which we are in we will all face judgment in in our afterlife this is time now for us to fire it up to get that righteous fire burning within your heart to understand the urgency of the hour and we have to do everything we can as the watchers on the wall now back to those dreams and i'll close with this Those dreams that have been sharing with me are prophetic. And they're prophetic in an amazing way because it's happening everywhere. It's happening with people I know. It's happening with the children like the Cantrells. None of these people know each other. And the dreams are consistently coming to the same place. They're all telling the same message. That we are arriving into an hour when the great battle in the spirit will begin. And in this, it will be a ravaging of those who have sinned, that what is left on this other side is all of those that have sinned are literally gone. Every dream of these of, that has come to me in the last couple of weeks, and it's even been like the last 10 days, has had the same ending, that there is a few that have held righteousness in their heart, that when they finally arrive at that point, they are bruised, they are tattered, they have let go of everything of this world to accept where they're going. And around them, everybody that did not stand with God was gone. Now, is that a rapture? I don't think so. Is that an end of times? I don't put it in those categories. But I will tell you that it is a speaking to something very big coming, a a coming of accountability in a massive way. And on the hearts of all of us, we need to be digging in deeper. This is an hour to repent more thoroughly, to get deeper within your relationship with God, to go heavier into the word, and to wage war in the spirit like never before. We were given these authorities for Christ by Christ not to let him take over and fix the problems we created, but for us to step up as the as the princes and priests of this world. And as we do so, we end up being part of the rescue mission to save humanity. But I believe that part of those dreams speaks to something else. It's the apathy of the remnant to do its job. We can't allow that. And I believe truly that we don't need the millions. We need the Gideons, the Gideon group of 300. We need those 300 groups to do their job with such ferocity, with such focus, that we can literally save a society. I don't believe we need the many. We do need God. So, Patriots, I'm just encouraging you in this time and this place. Dig deeper into the Word. Speak the Gospel of Jesus Christ. Get people excited about what's going on within within our God's Word, not within the world around us. We have to reach people's hearts. Pray on what that would be. Let Holy Spirit work through you as you work this. Lift people up. Pray into healing when you encounter people. Let them start experiencing the miracles of the living God. Know that God is with you when you do this. Know that when you pray, he is there. It may not happen right before your very eyes, but miracles are happening. God is moving within us. Open your heart to that. Ask for those authorities and gifts if you feel you don't have them. Ask to have the word of God and God speaking to you in your heart if you don't feel it. Learn deliverance. Learn inner healing. Seek these things out. Ask Holy Spirit to guide you. And don't hesitate to pray for every single child that dies or what you're witness to or what you read about. Whenever you hear this, pray into raising the dead. And when you find somebody that's spiritually lost and broken, raise their spiritual life into them. This is such a critical hour for us to be leaning into the fullness of our authorities and letting Holy Spirit guide us in where we go. But it's not a game and there's no time to waste. And the criticality of our hour and our nation is so reflective in the depths of how far we have fallen into the reprobate mind. God needs to hear us and we need to be reaching to him in a greater way. He loves us, but those that choose to walk away from him and refuse to hear him, again, read Romans 118 to 32 and be reminded of just how mighty of an hour that we live and what the criticality of this moment is. Patriots, let's pray. Father God, we come to you today very humbled. As we look at the world and we see with, more, with eyes that have given more eyes to see and less of the scales which have surrounded us, as we look deep within this corruption that's in our nation and stop putting it with names and tags and try to blame an agency or, or blame a political group, it's start to realize that the corruption which is around us is us. It's a reflection of our own hearts It's a reflection of our willingness to accept moral corruption as a foundation to build a nation. And Father, we know that anything like this that is going to walk in this place, we have to now hold ourselves accountable to a greater level. We have to now pray into things in a greater way we have to now walk in the mightiness of kingdom and become the Gideons of this hour. So father, we pray for the rise of the Gideons. We rise, pray for the rise of the Gideons army. We pray for the hearts of David to step into this hour, to be mighty, to be powerful and to lean into the authorities given to us in Christ to literally be the princes and the priests of this hour. Let us be the stewards, not the victims. Let us be the stewards, not the slaves. So Father, we pray into that courage in the heart to raise up this remnant and to be bold, to be heard, to have the authorities of Holy Spirit and kingdom speak with every word that we do, to walk mightily in this hour, to speak the word in the gospel of Jesus Christ and to literally shake the root of this nation. And in so doing, be the watchers on the wall that are screaming out and calling out for what is to come. Let us be like in Nehemiah, we we are literally building the wall with one brick in one hand and a sword in another to know that the critical time in which we live, the enemy is coming. But we have to start raising up the people, raising up the mightiness, raising up the power in times in which we live, that this is truly an hour in which the war is real and the criminality in the hearts of the many is massive. The moral corruption is beyond measure. Let us pray into that, Father, that we pray a blessing of awakening within the hearts of this nation and those that are here. Finally, start seeing what it is they're doing to step away from the obligations of the me and the, the, the corruption within the heart, to step into the understanding of whom we serve in everything we do. And we pray mercy upon this nation. Mercy beyond measure, Father. We pray these things in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. So, Patriots, We are truly in a a difficult time. And it is nothing that is going to be fixed in political gamemanship. We are dealing with a corruption in the hearts of men. And this is deep. And this hour is going to fall heavily on the few that have the courage to speak up, courage to pray in, courage to stand and fight in an hour when everything else seems to be falling apart. We have to have the belief that we have the authorities and we have to stand into that and we have to pray into that to awaken a nation and know that in the process, God will look out, for it, look out for us and it will get difficult, it will get bumpy. But stay true to your faith, stay locked into the rock of faith and continue and wage war every day. Patriots, keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil, never relent, always press into the fight. God is with us, he'll never forsake us and in the end, God always wins but we are here in this time, in this place for just such a time as this. We are at war, so walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land, expand the kingdom, subdue the enemy, mission forward. Patriots, I'll see you tonight for Barnes FM. Until then or until the next time, God bless and out for now.
6: We shall pay any price, bear any burden, meet any hardship,